Good morning, church family. It's great to be together again here on this Sunday morning, worshiping the Lord together again. And I'd like to personally say a welcome to all of our guests who are joining us. It's been such a blessing during this time, uh, during our, our online emphasis, to hear from so many of you that have been joining us for the first time. And uh, we love to hear from you. And so please reach out to us, put a comment there, maybe fill out that digital communication card. But uh, we really want to encourage you, uh, if God's been blessing your heart, maybe when we're all able to come back together in this space and worship the Lord physically together, we'd love to have you, love to meet you. But uh, I'm looking forward this weekend to continuing a series, the series that we started last weekend called The Return of Christ. And so we're going to dig into that more together this morning. Did you know that of the 260 chapters of the New Testament, Jesus coming back is mentioned over 300 times? That means that the Lord's return is spoken about over one time per chapter throughout the New Testament. I mean, if we just even conservatively said that you can read a chapter every 10 minutes, that would mean during the time that we're here together studying God's Word, that I would pause every 10 minutes in the middle of this message and just say, hey, everybody, just to remind you, Jesus is coming again. Hey, everybody, I've just, uh, we're talking about marriage. We're talking about finances. We're talking about raising our kids. We're talking about our attitudes. But hey, let's don't forget, Jesus is coming again. Man, if I did that this morning, or if I did that, let's say, every weekend, every message for the rest of our lives together, wouldn't you begin to say, wow, this must be something that we need to pay attention to. Did you know that 23 of the 27 New Testament books speak about the second coming of Christ? Again, think about that. If you had a loved one that was far away from home, and that person wrote you 27 letters, and if they said the same thing, if they gave a similar uh, sentence or emphasis, that they talked about a lot of things, but if they brought up one topic in 23 out of those 27 letters, when you say, wow, this is something they're really wanting me to understand is important. Did you know that one out of every 25 to 30 verses in the New Testament refer to the second coming, to the return of Christ in some kind of a way? So what is the point of all that? Over and over again, no matter how you look at it, if you read the Bible, you're going to see that God wants us to know about, He wants us to understand, and He wants us to get ready for Jesus to come back again one day. And so because of that, God has given us a lot of information about that in His Word. In fact, a few weeks ago, as we began dealing with the coronavirus, we looked at Matthew chapter 24, and we talked about what is happening what is going on? And our purpose was to understand that as the return of Christ draws closer and closer, we're going to see more things like this. And God wants us not to be afraid, but God wants us to be aware of those things. So in that message, we sort of focus more on some of those natural phenomena that we can expect to see as the return of Christ gets closer and closer. But in that message... We did not talk about all of the precursors. We did not talk about all of the beginning signs of the, the early indicators of the return of Christ. So today we're going to turn to a parallel passage 
to Matthew 24. We're going to turn to Luke chapter 21. And we're going to dig into those details a little further today as we think about the first signs of the return of Christ. We're going to look at Luke chapter 21, verses 7 through 20. Listen, what are some of the things that we should look for? What are some of the things that we should be ready to see as we prepare ourselves for the second coming of Jesus that looks like to be very soon, any moment now? Let's look at Luke 21, verses 7 through 20. The Bible says, They questioned him, Jesus saying, Teacher, when therefore will these things happen? And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? And he said, see to it or make sure, be aware that you are not misled. For many will come in my name saying, I am he and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and disturbances, do not be terrified. For these things must take place first, but the end does not follow immediately. Then he continued by saying to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes and in various places plagues and famines. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and will persecute you. Delivering you to the synagogues and prisons. Bringing you before kings and governors for my name's sake. It will lead to an opportunity for your testimony. So make up your minds not to prepare beforehand to defend yourselves. Not to live in fear, but to have peace. For I will give you utterance and wisdom which none of your opponents will be able to resist or refute. Don't take an attitude, but but rather sense an anointing or the favor of God as you're put in those situations. But you will be betrayed even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends. And they will put some of you to death. And you will be hated by all because of my name. And this is especially drawing attention to the tribulation and closer. Yet not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance you will gain your lives. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then recognize that her desolation is near. We're talking about what are some of the first indicators, the first signs That Jesus is coming back about the return of Christ. And the first thing I want us to think about is this. We need to watch for some things. And the first thing we want to think about is Jesus teaches us in these verses is that we need to watch the creation. The Bible says to us that we need to watch the earth. We need to watch the physical world around us that God created. He says, as we notice, as we're beginning to notice some things about the return of Christ drawing near, we need to watch the creation. Now, we're not going to talk as much about this aspect quite as much as some of the others today. Because as I said, we kind of pointed many of those things out in in a message a few weeks ago in Matthew 24. And even some last week as we looked at Romans chapter 8. And we talked about how creation plays a part in all of this. That creation is groaning the creation is moaning. The creation is looking forward to that day, eagerly anticipating the day. And so, in a sense, when we see the response of creation, we join in with that and we recognize His return. But it's clear to see that as Jesus begins preparing them 
those early disciples, and us as His disciples now, for what His return is going to look like, or what we should look for, that certainly it's going to involve some things in the natural world around us. Jesus mentioned in Luke 21 verse 11, He talks about great earthquakes. He talks about plagues in various places. He talks about famines and other kinds of disturbances. Now, don't read over those things too quickly. A plague can close down a country. Amen? A plague can even impact and in a sense shut down the world. Think about a major earthquake. That's nothing to, 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 to not pay attention to. Think about a great famine across the world. Now for those of you who might say, well, well I don't know about this because there's always been problems like that. Well, of course. In this broken world that we live in, there have always been problems in creation with this created world. But I think that what Jesus is saying is that the time of, as the time of His return draws closer and closer, those things are going to increase in frequency and in their intensity. In fact, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 says, But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. In fact, I also want to point out there at the end of verse 11, as we get right up, I mean right on the precipice, right on the edge of Jesus, not just that period beginning, but as Him actually returning, there are literally going to be earth-shattering events. Look at, verse, at the end of verse 11 again. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. In fact, later down in this passage, in verses 25 through 27, Jesus said this There will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on the earth, dismay among the nations. We'll talk about that in just a moment. In perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves, men fainting from fear and the expectation of the things which are coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. My friends, really, these things are probably describing right there, right at the very, very end, during, in the middle, or towards the end of the tribulation, right before Jesus comes back. It's saying the worst of the worst of this creation being shaken up is going to happen. Now, for today's message, that is not really quite yet our focus. That right at the end, right at the point of Jesus' return. We're not quite looking at that yet. Instead, we're looking at some of the earlier signs of His return. And as we do begin that period of Jesus is coming back, and it might be pretty soon we will see this creation begin to go through that process of upheaval. Strange diseases, bad weather, weird things that we've never seen before. I've mentioned to you several times about the commercial. The, I think it's Allstate or Prudential that has a commercial that says, in the last 10 or 15 years, we've had 27 500-year storms. That by itself does not say Jesus is coming back. But when you put it together with all the other strange and weird things and things that we're going to talk about later in the message, again, we just begin to get the idea that creation is saying to us, this thing is wrapping up. 
So as we think about some of the first signs, some of the early indicators that Jesus is coming back, God definitely tells us we need to pay attention to creation and what is happening in the world, the physical world around us. But also, and this is so important, friends, we need to watch the nation of Israel. As the world is winding down, and as we're paying attention to those early indicators of Jesus, He might be coming back. It might be pretty soon. We see the things going on in creation, but we need to also watch the nation of Israel. Now, as Americans, there's a good chance that you have, have some sense that Israel is special to us. It's very possible that you don't understand. Why is that? I don't quite understand why Israel has such a special place in our hearts. So I want to turn back to a passage where that reason is found in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. And by the way, if you've been coming to New Hope for a while, I hope you're growing in your understanding of God's Word. And I hope you're beginning to see Genesis 12 is pretty important. In fact, if you've been coming for a while, that part of your Bible is going to start getting more and more worn because we keep coming back to it. In Genesis 12, verse 1, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. God says to Abram, And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you I will curse. And in you, Abram, in your, your peoples, all the families of the earth will be blessed. This is God's call to Abraham, that he was, which he was later renamed. And because of this, we begin to understand that God chose a man, Abram, Abraham, and he chose his people that God was blessing him with, miraculously named Israel, and God was going to work through this nation. God was saying, I want to show the world what a wonderful God and Savior I am. And I'm going to choose this people out of all the peoples of the world. I'm going to choose this people to set my love upon them and to work in their lives in a special way. And I want to work through them to get my message out to the rest of the world so that all the peoples of the world will come to know me. And so God makes it very clear from the beginning of history, from the beginning of His Word, that Israel is special. That nation has a very important place in God's plan, clearly in His Word. And even if you don't know God, even if you aren't as familiar with His Word, you would have to, to be able to admit and to see how obvious it is that this people that is such a small people, that has inhabited such a small area of their land, you can't watch the news on any given day without hearing something about that people in that land. So we see that Israel has a special place in God's plan and in the events of this world, and as it relates to our topic, or as it relates to the, the, to the end times and God's plan for this world, someone said the most prophesied event in end times passages in the Bible is the return of the Jewish people to their promised land. The Bible predicts over and over again that the Jews must be back in their homeland for the events of the end times to unfold. Simply stated, this person says, all of the key events of the end times hinge 
in one way or another on the existence of the nation of Israel and on their land. As we look down further in Luke chapter 21, verse 20, and even we, that we just read, and as we go down even beyond that in Luke chapter 21, verse 24, let me just read verse 20 again. But when you see Jerusalem, there's the capital of the nation of Israel, surrounded by armies, then recognize that her desolation is near. There is something about the nation of Israel that is important to all these events that is central to that. In verse 24, And they will fall by the edge of the sword and will be led captive into all the nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles. That's the word for the rest of the world. By the nations of the world until the times of the Gentiles, until the times of the nations are fulfilled. Now part of that was fulfilled in 70 AD. We'll talk about here in just a moment. But part of that is referring to the tribulation. So as we look at these verses we see that Jerusalem, that Israel, has a special place like no other nation on the earth that God singles out in a special way from the beginning of His Word until the very end. Friend, God shows us that Israel is going to be right in the middle of all of this and more as we go along. And there's at least two things that I want to encourage you. If you're taking notes, write these down. Two things that we should watch for Related to the nation of Israel. First of all, watch for their formation. I'll explain that in just a moment. Or their gathering. And watch for their treatment. Watch for their formation. And watch for their treatment. Now let's talk about both of those. First of all, watch for Israel's formation. Let's go back to that quote that I gave just a moment ago. It said, There may be nothing as critical to the end times as the nation of Israel actually being a nation and being in their homeland. And actually, if you know the history here, you know that it would really be more appropriate to say Israel's not formation, but Israel's reformation. Because the nation of Israel began about 4,000 years ago. We just read in Genesis chapter 12. About 4,000 years ago, that nation began. But listen, 2,000 years later, as Jesus was speaking in Luke 21, just a few decades after Jesus' words here in Luke 21, in 70 AD, Titus and the Roman armies destroyed Jerusalem, chased the Jewish people out, and busted up their nation. And they were not a nation again for 2,000 years. In fact, listen to this. As we're just putting, putting the indicators together, less than 100 years ago, if a person had wanted to dispute the Bible and dispute the prophecies that we're studying, that person could say, see, the Bible's not true because the Bible says that Israel has to be a nation and it is no longer a nation. Friends, in 1948, God did a miracle. After 2,000 years, something that has never happened among any other ancient peoples, after no longer being a nation for 2,000 years, an ancient people came back together as a nation. Wow! Wow! We are living in days that we ought to say, wow! For centuries, even for millennia, there, there, was, there, was, there was this concern, hey, 
Israel's got to be a nation in order for this to come together, but that doesn't look like it's possible. We live in the days when that has happened. Guess what? We are living in the end times. We are seeing some of the first signs that His return is drawing near. And then we need to pay attention to Israel's treatment. Not just their formation or their reformation, but their treatment. There's a sense in which the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, has always been mistreated. Has always been despised by some. And under attack. Of course, we remember one of the worst examples of that. Through Hitler killing six million Jewish people in the Holocaust. Terrible. And the shorter and the bigger picture answer to why would that be? Friends, listen, the devil hates God. The devil hates everything that God loves. And God loves His people. God has set His love on the nation of Israel. And the devil hates Israel, hates the Jewish people, and seeks to destroy them. And one of the distinctive features of the end times is how the rest of the nations treat the nation of Israel and the Jewish people. Now we just read Luke 21, verse 20 and verse 24 in thinking about the Jewish people, but now let's pay attention to what it's saying about the rest of the nations. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, those are other peoples, and then it's made more clear and broad in verse 24, and they will fall by the edge of the sword and will be led captive into all the nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the nations, by the Gentiles, until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. We see that all throughout Scripture. But it culminates in the book of Revelation at the end of history. At Armageddon. Many of you have heard of that before. Maybe you've never studied about it. But Revelation chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. We'll talk about those later. Three unclean spirits like frogs. And another message, we'll talk about those. For they are spirits of demons, here's what we want to pay attention to, performing signs which go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them together for the war of the great day of God, the Almighty. And then at the last gasp of rebellion that we as people seek to bring against God at the end of, we're going to study about the millennium in Revelation chapter 20, verses 7 through 9. When the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together, gather the nations together for war. The number of them is like the sand of the seashore. And they came up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, there's Jerusalem, and fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are also, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. As we said earlier, this is really, all these things are, are really kind of representing the fact that God hates, or that the enemy, the devil, hates God and His people. And really, he's been trying all along to destroy that special work. Revelation 12 Verses 3-6 through six say these words, Then another sign appeared in heaven. Now this is a bigger picture. God's given us a bird's eye view of what's happened throughout history. Then appeared another sign in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads were seven diadems. 
And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, this is Israel, who was about to give birth, so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child, that's Christ. And she gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Then the woman, Israel, fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God, this is talking about the tribulation, so that there she would be nourished for 1,260 days. We'll talk about that more later. Now I want to be careful. I don't want to overwhelm you. I know that much of this is new for many of us. So I don't want to overwhelm you. But I do want to encourage you to take the next step in your understanding of God's plan. God's work includes a special place for the nation of Israel. He set His love upon them. He wanted to be a blessing to them. And He wanted to work through them to bless all the nations of the world. And if you're not Jewish, you should say, praise the Lord, that God extended this offer not just to the Jewish people, but to also to the rest of us Gentiles, the rest of the nations. Israel has a special part. And we should pay attention to her reformation as a nation and the attacks or the opposition that comes against her, the treatment that she receives from others. So friends, we're just talking about, we're trying to understand. I'm living life. I'm trying to be obedient to the Lord, to walk faithfully with Him, and and to be ready for His return. And we need to know that these are some of the first things that the Bible says we would have seen, and listen, that we are seeing. And we need to pay attention to those things. What's happening in creation, in the world around us. What's happening in the nation of Israel. But also, the Bible says we also need to pay attention to what's happening. We need to watch the other nations of the world. Yes, God has chosen, of all the nations of the world, a special plan for the nation of Israel. But God has included the rest of the nations in that plan. He acknowledges a role that they are having. If you've never really studied the Bible... This is going to blow you away. Did you know the Bible gives very specific detail about the nations of the world and about what they're going to do hundreds of years? In some cases, thousands of years before those things happened. In fact, so much so, so specific are those details, and some of them have since then happened, and we know some of them are still yet future, but so specific are those details that the ancient Jewish historian uh, Josephus said this about Alexander the Great. That he did not destroy the Jewish temple when he came through that region because he came through a couple hundred years after the prophet Daniel, who is very important to these prophecies, had very specifically predicted Alexander's reign. And as that was pointed out to him, he spared the Jewish temple. Another 3rd century A.D., so a few hundred years after Christ, there was a non-Christian philosopher who claimed that Daniel had to be a forgery. That The prophecy, the book of Daniel, had to be a forgery. Why? Because he lived eight or 900 years after Daniel And he saw that Daniel's words had predicted so precisely what was going to happen. There was no way, he said, someone could have had that information in advance. We've already read Luke 21, verse 21 and verse 24. 
But I also want to look at Luke 21, verses 9 and 10. In those verses it says, Then he continued by saying to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. Just above that, when you hear of wars and disturbances, do not be terrified, for these things must take place, but the end does not immediately follow. So there we're talking about wars, disturbances, we're talking about nations rising up and battling against one another. There's at least three aspects of what we need to watch out for among the nations that I want you to be clear about. Write these things down. First of all, their instability. Secondly, as we've noted, their opposition to Israel. And then thirdly, their formation of a one world government. Let's talk about those. Their instability, their opposition to Israel, and their formation of a one world government. Well, first of all, their instability. We've already seen in these verses, in verse 9 here in Luke 21, and in Mark 13, in Mark and Matthew 24, about wars and rumors of wars. So there will be more and more conflict as the time in the world as the time of Christ draws near. By the way, it's been said that the 20th century was the bloodiest of all centuries for war. Our previous century leading up to this one. In fact, it's been noted to the best of our ability from what we can tell from world history that more people died in the 20th century in war than all other centuries combined. So what we're noticing is that although the nations have always been unstable without God, that is especially going to increase, and we see it, as the time of Christ draws near. What about their opposition to Israel? We need to watch that. We've already talked about that, but it is something that we need to pay attention to as we're going through our life and as we're approaching the end. By the way, United States of America, our country, we need to pay attention to something. Historically, the United States has been a friend to Israel. In fact, we played a very key role in that 1948 reformation of the nation of Israel. By God's grace, we had a part in that. Almost miraculously. But in recent years, we've seen some of that United States American support lesson. Now maybe, maybe we're coming back in that direction now. I don't know. Maybe. But don't forget about Genesis 12. God blesses those who bless them, and God curses those who curse them. Any one, any nation who mistreats the Jewish people is not in a good position. And then we need to watch for that formation of a world, one world government. Now, there's some very specific language about this in Daniel chapter 7 through Daniel chapter 12, where a one world ruler, the Antichrist, we're going to learn about him, will rise up and form an alliance of nations, specifically of ten nations. That's why when the European Union, I'm not saying that's the, that's the one for sure, but when we saw that form, there was a lot of Christians like, oh my goodness, wow, we need to pay attention to that. And we do. But like other parts that we're reading, ultimately, this will all be brought together by the Antichrist closer to the very end during the tribulation. But listen, just like many of these signs or indicators, we see movement in those directions. We see increasing of those things. We see intensity of those things. And so we would expect movement towards the world trying to get together in a world, one world government. And we do see signs of that. Because I'm not saying I have all the specific answers. But if you read the Bible, there's a lot of information, a lot of detailed information. And I think the Lord has set it up in such a way that 
no one can ultimately figure it all out exactly who does what and exactly when, but God has given us a lot of information to work with. Are we paying attention to what God is doing amongst the nations? The last thing I want to talk with you about this weekend is this. God tells us in His Word to watch all these things, but listen, we need to watch the church. Did you write that down in your notes? Church family, we need to watch what is happening in the church. In the people who call ourselves followers of His. Now, there are Bible students who try to make the church and Israel the same. But if you really dig in and take a straightforward reading of all the evidence, it seems clear that the church, that God's work amongst the nations, amongst the Gentiles, is different than God's work amongst the nation of Israel. And at the end, he's going to focus again on Israel. He focused on Israel. Now through the church, he's focusing on the nations, the Gentiles. So it's almost like it was a focus on Israel and the Gentiles were welcome. Now it's a focus on the Gentiles and the Jews are welcome. And later, God always finishes what he starts. He's going to wrap up his work amongst his special people, Israel. But that does not mean that the church is not important by any means to that plan. As we look at God's word, there are four things I want to point out to you to watch out for in the church. Write these down. We need to watch out for persecution. We need to watch out for opportunities. We need to watch out for apostasy. And then we need to watch out for the rapture. As it relates to the church, here's some things that God tells us to watch for. Let's think about each one of these. Persecution. We read earlier in Luke chapter 21, verse 12, but before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and will persecute you, delivering you to the synagogues and prisons, bringing you before kings and governors for my name's sake. And certainly that kind of language is only going to be uh, intensified as we think about the tribulation without the church there. But as we've said with all these things, we can expect these things to begin forming, to begin increasing in amount and frequency and intensity intensity as that time draws near. In fact, speaking of the 20th century again, as we look back at the 20th century, someone said that more Christians have died for their faith in that century than all combined. Now again, if we just take one piece of evidence or another piece of evidence, we're taking all the evidence and saying, wow, lots of storms, lots of wars, lots of persecution. Friends, as we talk to our partners around the world, yes, as we're about to talk about, there is much openness to the good news. But there is also much opposition. And it is very serious. But there is. There are opportunities as well even though there's persecution there are we need to watch for opportunities listen as you read these passages as we read the one here just now in verse 13 it will lead to an opportunity for you to speak about God as we read these end times passages there seems to be a dramatic spread of the good news of the gospel in fact as you look at revelation as we get really close to the enemy right there in those last few moments of the end there seem to be Uh, One or two miraculous spreading of the good news across the world. We need to watch for opportunities that God... Do we not see that? Certainly we do in our church, in our area. We need to watch for apostasy. 
Let me turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, where it says, the Apostle Paul was writing, he said, let no one in any way... He's talking about end times. We're going to look at this passage later in some other, uh, uh, some other messages. In, in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 3, let no one in any way deceive you, for it, the end, will not come unless the apostasy, the falling away, comes first. Friends, I can't spend as much time on this as I would like to today. But it is consistently, listen to me very carefully. If you have not heard any other part of this message, please listen very carefully. This warning is consistently brought up by the Lord in His Word in relation to the end. There are always going to be people who come to church in fact, who are even very involved, may even be religious leaders, maybe even called pastors and priests. But they are not children of God. If you look at Matthew 13, it's the parable of the wheat and the tares. And I like to, I like to call it the wheat and the weeds is maybe the way that we would understand that. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about. He says both of them, seeds are planted. They take root. They're growing for a, for a season this wheat plant looks very similar to the weed that Jesus was describing to them in their day. For a while, we can't tell the difference. But eventually, a harvest is going to come. And whatever fruit was in that plant is going to come out. Friends, this is very serious. In the last days, there is going to be a falling away. There are going to be people who said they follow God who deny the Lord, who drop out, who move away from Him. Listen, that does not mean they were saved and they lost their salvation. It means they might have claimed to be saved, but they never truly had a relationship with God. I think that even over the last hundred years, maybe more, in our world, as we see many of the mainline Christian groups and denominations, as we see more and more doing church, calling ourselves churches, but not really doing what God's Word says and fulfilling His mission, is another form of this, that we see the drum roll. Because we had in the 1700s and 1800s, all across our area, and really across the world in some sense, in many ways, revival, great awakenings. But over the last hundred years or so, Many people who once claimed to be followers have backed way off of that to say it lightly. And then finally, we need to watch for the rapture. We're going to talk about that more in another message. But after studying this, maybe as much as any topic I've ever studied in God's Word, I believe that the church will be removed from that tribulation time miraculously. So listen, what I'm, who I might be speaking to, listen to me very carefully. Someone said that the book of Daniel might be the most studied book during the time of the tribulation by those who weren't Christians, who weren't delivered from the tribulation, but who are now open, who now see these things. There may be, listen, I may be speaking to someone years from now who's watching this message, who, who, who their aunt came to New Hope, or who their, their brother came to New Hope, or their spouse came to New Hope, and you are watching, or your granddad came to New Hope, and you're watching. There was something, that church talked about these things were going to happen, and you're watching, and I'm saying to you right now, if, the, if all these people who claim to be believers are gone, God said you need to watch for the rapture. 
The rapture, all those Christians leaving in a strange, mysterious way, it means that Jesus is coming very, very soon. I pray that God would use these words, maybe even during that period, to speak to someone's heart. But you know, right now we're here, aren't we? We don't have to be living in the tribulation. Thank God we're not. Thank God that He is speaking to us. Thank God that that you come to this church and God is leading us here. Or thank God that you stumbled across um, this feed or this this video or this this message today. Thank God that He's speaking to your heart that these things, we see them happening and, and I told you they would. And friend, today, would you respond to that? Would you take that and say, God, I can see it. I can see Jesus. I can see your, the drum roll is starting. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty thick. It takes me a while, but I, and this is not a stretch. So what do I do with that? Friend, if you're a believer, we need to get serious. We need to, if you say, I didn't know these things, well, maybe God's speaking to you to dig into His Word more. To spend time with Him every day. How do you learn the Bible? Well, it's really just a daily decision. To spend time with God, moment by moment, day by day, week by week, year by year. Nobody perfectly, but over the years you will grow in your understanding. Because you came, because you sat down, because you took the time to worship with us today, you understand some things better, don't you? And I hope that's opening up for you. There is so much that God has for me. I'm living unequipped. I don't have to be so shaken with a virus. Yes, it's serious, and we need to take some precautions, and we need to be safe, and all those things, but ultimately, this is not going to shake my world. The Bible says even if the stars fall out of the sky, we are completely safe and secure in our Savior's arms. Do you have that confidence today? Because you know His Word? Do you have that confidence today, friend, because you know Him? There are very likely many people listening to this today. And your heart has been gripped. I mean, these are, these are, these, this is a big deal. This is talking about what we do after this life. And we're learning, aren't we, that it is so fleeting. It passes away so quickly. The Bible in James says it's like a vapor that appears for a time and then vanishes away. God wants us to be ready. Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? I want to bow for just a moment and lead us in a prayer. If God is speaking to your heart, that you could respond to Him right now. Would you just with me bow your, eye, bow your head, close your eyes, and let's just talk to God. I'm going to open up. Lord, Just I thank you so much for your word. Lord, we don't pretend to know everything, but we thank you that you've given us a lot. And we're learning, we're growing together. We thank you for being such a kind God and Savior and Father that you want to teach us, you want to lead us if we'll just listen. I pray for Christians, Lord. I pray that you'd speak to us. And I pray that this, maybe this time of having some more um, pauses in our lives, for sure. Being around maybe our families, our immediate families, Lord. Seeing some priorities. Missing our church family. Lord, that you're giving us more focus than ever before. And I pray that you would speak to our hearts about, Lord, what is it that I need to do? What decisions do I need to make as a follower of Jesus? Friend, would you take that seriously right now? Would you ask the Lord that question for you? Lord, what do I need to do about this? 
Father, if there's someone here, we thank you for so many people who come on a regular basis who have not yet given their life to Christ or maybe have begun joining us recently. And Lord, you're speaking to their heart. It's become clear to them that they need you. I pray right now, Lord, right there, as they're in the quietness of their home or wherever they might be watching or listening, Lord, that they would just say, Dear Lord Jesus, just say those words to him if you mean it. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. And I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me of my sins and to be my Savior. Thank you for dying for my sins and for rising victorious. Please give me eternal life. Father, we thank you that your word says whoever calls upon your great name will be rescued and given eternal life. We worship you today. Thank you, Lord, so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Friends, if God has spoken in your heart today, we always want to be available to you. There's going to be a, a digital communication card there in the comments feed there that we would love for you just to let us know. You made a decision. God spoke to your heart. We can follow up with you in some way. Uh, also, if you're a guest, um, we want you just to encourage you to fill that out so we can send a gift to you. Just let you know that we're so glad that you were here with us. Whatever God's spoken to you about, please let us know. We, we mean that. We're here to minister even if we can't physically be together. Hey, listen, there's a lot of details that we shared in this message. There's going to be some, some notes in the comments there. I believe Pastor Adam shared that with you earlier that uh, you can pull up. They call those show notes. They're just basically filled in blanks. Uh, so don't feel like if you missed anything, you missed that. You can pull those up, and uh, hopefully that will be helpful to you. Well, looking forward to what God's going to do in the days ahead. We miss you. We love you, church family. I look forward to getting back together. If we don't talk to you sooner, getting back together on Wednesday night, walking through these things together as we seek the Lord together. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you soon.